with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Nightmare. Good evening, everyone. Good morning. Good afternoon, wherever you are. Welcome to Ghost Chronicles. What are we? Next Generation. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper of the realm of the unknown, unexplained, unbelievable, New England's own Van Helsing. With me is not Anne. She's working like a good little girl. But joining me is my favorite West Coast switch, Marla Brooks. Hello. How are you? Favorite, huh? Well, I don't know any others. Well, that's the whole point. Yeah, I just (laughs) I just wanted you to admit it on the air, you know. Oh, otherwise, whatever. (laughs) Even if I did, you'd still be my favorite because I have known you longer than I've known Durrett. So that's go. yes. And we're yep. both older than dirt. Yeah, uh, our okay. famous turtle killer. Um, <laughs> I'm never going to let that go. It's burnt in my mind. Ah, no pun. Uh-huh. Etched forever. Yes. So mm-hmm. just before we get on the air, there was a little thing about uh, a knocker. Did you hear that? A window knocker or whatever thing. Did you hear that no. little bit? Well, it was no. interesting because it, it, what it was is, is back in the olden days, they would hire people because they didn't have alarm clocks. So they'd go around and they'd take these big sticks and knock on the windows of people's houses until they woke up. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, it was one guy that came up with an invention using a sundial, and but unfortunately, it actually uh, started the fire, so that didn't go over too good. <laughs> yeah. Well, but anyways, uh, joining us today is someone who I respect. I've known him since I've gotten involved in this business. Uh, he is the man in the pit helmet. I wish I had a pit helmet. Mr. Uh, Richard Sennett. Richard? Well, glad to be here. How are you? I am fine. It's a little windy out here in California right now, but uh, mm-hmm. outside of the windows rattling, I guess we'll have a nice, quiet environment for our radio interview. So uh, where'd you get that pit helmet? I mean, I always see you in it. It's, I mean, I've seen lots of pictures, but that's the one that always sticks out in my mind. Oh, that was given to me by a friend who got it from a British uh, military uh, man uh, back in the 1930s. So it's actually an original helmet. And I sometimes like to wear it for uh, where I want to bring out the idea that uh, ghost hunting is like an expedition going out into the uh, unknown territories to find and discover new things. Oh, that's a good point. I like, I like that. I like that attitude. You're going to have to Mm -hmm. get one, Ron. I, I, how do you think I'd look at it? You think I would be, you know, I think it would be very um, good on your head. Yes. Yeah. 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 (laughs) As long as it covered my face, right? No, no, it doesn't have a screen or anything like that. But uh, it's 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 interesting you bring that up. It's like an expedition because that's cool. I mean, on the the international show we were just talking, Stephen Poss and I, and we were he was came up with this idea that American ghost hunters are people are out there to help people. They're like there to help the community, help this. And mm-hmm. I said that's not exactly true. That's what they tell you, but I don't believe that. Anyways, but I, I, I like your point of view, Richard, that it is an expedition because that's really what it is. 
So what is that so, expedition uh, for? We're trying to find answers to these great questions. You know, what are ghosts? Why are they here? What is their nature? Uh, I think we've gone beyond the do they exist part. We want to find out what they are. And that is the greatest riddle of them all. And so far, we've gotten a few answers, but not very many, sadly enough. And how long have you been doing this? Oh, so, so let's see. I started in 1978. That's so what? How long was, that would be a long time ago, 40 years plus. Mm -hmm. And uh, I still don't know all the answers, but I'm out there looking. But you know what, Richard? You have somebody to help you find the answers because your wife, Deborah, is a medium, right? Get out. After doing this work, as a matter of fact, and mm -hmm. uh, I have found having a psychic, a medium uh, uh, channeler along on a ghost hunt helps to uh, bring things out. I believe in a blending of both the metaphysical and the physical and the scientific uh, to make a unified team. So I found that that's the most successful. I don't know if I could marry a medium or a psychic because like that must like mess up your life. You can't hide anything. Like, <laughs> you got oh. a guilty conscience. I know you can be going oh. around. Does she know? <laughs> that is true. I could write a book just on being married to a psychic. There's no surprises. I can, there's no such thing as buying a surprise. She knows before you even <laughs> Go on to the jewelry store, what you're going to buy. And uh, uh, so many different uh, accounts. But I have learned to block her. There are actually techniques Ooh. where you can, um, once you know the person, you can actually keep her from getting into your head. Oh, I like that. But that took a long time. <laughs> what do you think, Mala? I, you know, I. Uh, when we're talking about investigations, yeah, I mean, we have, um, when we go out, when we used to go out, um, when I was writing the books, um, we always had a medium with us. Yeah. And I mean, it, what do you think about blocking people? You think that's a good idea? And, well, yeah. I mean, you would have to, wouldn't you? I mean, there are secrets <laughs> that you really want to be kept secret. And, yeah, okay, I'll tell you a quick story um, about Kenny Kingston. Um, Richard, <laughs> I'm sure you know about Kenny. There you go. So I met Kenny a hundred years ago, and he was I was working in a medical office, and he was a patient, and I knew who he was. And he came in and he sat in the waiting room, and I was you know kind of young and dumb, and I'm sitting there and I'm looking at him through the window, and I was thinking. I really was thinking, hmm, I wonder if he can read my mind. <laughs> and I, at the minute I looked up at him, he nodded his head, yes. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> Seriously, it blew me away. And I mean, we got to be really good friends, too. I would, he was, you know, we would go out on investigations together. And, you know, I've been to his house several times. And, and you know, Richard, he was such a lovely person. <laughs> I mean, it was, it's very He was happy. the salt of your and I, we went out investigating several important sites. And remarkably, he was really able to pick stuff up that um, nobody knew was there. And then mm -hmm. later on, uh, other people would start picking up the same things that he had gotten. So um, mm -hmm. I was very, very 
pleased to know him. I learned a lot from him. And, Me too. Um, he was just a wonderful, wonderful man. Can't say a word against him. Yeah. He, he so you was... keep saying it was. Did he pass away? Oh, yeah. Several years. Oh, okay. Well, not oh, several, I'm... but maybe yeah, four I, or five I, I years I wasn't ago. aware of that. That's, but I, I kept hearing you say it was. Yeah. It was. I was like, uh, oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but he, no. he was, I mean, I was so happy. And, and okay, here's a thing really quick. I wanted to um, get on his hotline to do readings for a while, years mm-hmm. ago. And he had a Kenny Kingston hotline. And um, I did it without asking him, and I got the job. But I told him, I said, you know, I'm working on your hotline. And he says, uh, read me. Yeah. I said, I said mm-hmm. uh, really? You know, and I'm, I've, I broke out into a sweat. And yeah, and so I, he says, yeah, yeah, d- just show me. And I did a reading for him, and he was very quiet during the whole reading. He didn't say a word. He was just mm-hmm. listening and listening and listening. And we got done, and I said, uh, are you angry with me? Are you going to fire me? What's up? He said, did you hear me say anything? I said, no. He says, nobody shuts me up, and you did. You know, because he talked a lot. (laughs) And he said, he said one particular thing. He asked me one question about something else that I said in the reading. He wanted a little bit more to uh, figure it out what it was. And he said, you hit the nail right on the head. And, you know, coming from him, that was a huge compliment. That was praise. And, you know, it's it was uh, it it was amazing. He he just yeah, he was good. That's my story. Keep going. (laughs) <laughs> so going back to Richard, and yes. so Richard, when you take your, your wife out, I mean, is it just you and your wife, or do you have other members, and and how do you, you conduct your investigations? Well, I always go out with a team, because the way I look at it is the more the better in that regard. Now, not too much. I, mm-hmm. cut, it, I cut it off at about 20, but uh, usually I have a team of about six to eight people, and they all have different skills. Some are good at picking up. Uh, uh, EVP. Others are really good at um, just getting psychic impressions, and some are good at recording things. So I get all different kinds of people. I have different ones that come in. Some are just architects, which you can give us architectural um, yeah. information about a site. Um, but I usually come with a team, and then we go out to a site first. Um, just to generally look it over. And then we go in and try to see what we can feel, what we can gauge, what experiments we need to conduct. Then only after we do that, do we actually talk to the witnesses and get their stories. Because Uh I don't be tainted by getting their accounts and maybe fill in the blanks using known information. I want to collect the data raw In fact, any good psychic will tell you they don't want to know ahead of time. They want to be able to pick it up right then and then then later have it confirmed or not confirmed. Yeah, I think that's a great way. I mean, we do it similarly. I don't want to know anything about the the property or anything else. I mean, the only thing I would want to know if I was going in to investigate is, is there a particular areas where bacteria occurs? Because if I have limited resources, I want to make sure that I cover those areas, uh, you know, in, in my investigation. But I don't the ask only, what or, or who or any of that stuff. 
Yeah, you don't want that. But no. the only thing I do sort of draw the line on is when we get something that's really evil. And uh, those are so rare. I mean, we're talking like 4 or 5%. Not on TV. The, you know, on TV, they like to do it. <laughs> scaring people's cells, that's all. But um, unfortunately, I didn't think evil existed in the paranormal world. I thought it was all just hype and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Then I came across something in Santa Barbara that was evil, and I had to go, oh, yeah, I think I better rethink some of my ideas. So I will not take a group into a place where we have so much negative energy. Mm-hmm. And in that regard, I'll warn them ahead of time because I did that to Debbie once and I didn't warn her that there was a, a house with an evil entity in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, she got, uh, well, she collapsed and oh. something uh, just, uh, she ended up going to the hospital and that's not good. Yeah. Uh, but these things do exist. They are very rare. So let me uh, let me ask you that ask a question, uh, Richard, because it, it kind of like first of all, how could you determine if it was evil, and second, how could you determine it was just not an evil person, meaning a mean person, versus a, a demon who was or, or you don't believe in demons at all? Okay, well, I would dare say you don't need to. It's sort of like having a broken arm. You know, it's a broken arm. No one has. To, when you walk into the place, it's ice cold. You just feel like you're under a threat of death. And um, somebody pointed it out. It was kind of like uh, being robbed by an outlaw with a gun. And you think your life is going to end right then and there. Have you ever had that happen to you, by the way? No, uh, I've never been robbed by an outlaw with a gun. You, and you think that's it. The end, you can just pull the trigger and it's the end of me. And um, if you have that feeling, um, that's evil. And it's, it's rare. It doesn't happen very much. And you don't get it with just mean people. And there's a lot of them out there. Mm-hmm. And by the way, a lot of what people think are evil isn't really evil. It's selfish more than anything else. Is people not thinking of others, folks. It's a, they think so much of themselves that it masquerades as evil. But there is real evil out there. There are Jeffrey Dahmers out there. And um, you've got to be careful. And even if they're ghosts, there's something you've got to be leery of. Now, as I say, uh, it's mostly very safe. And I didn't have a single experience negative until I was into this for nine years, until something got, something happened that was just so awful, I had to realize, yeah, evil does exist. Yeah. I mean, uh, I've had experience with it because I've gone uh, with a Franciscan on, a, on an exorcism, uh, two of them actually, and uh, and also another case that was similar to that. But I, that's the the demonic end of it versus uh, mean people. Like I work with a trans medium where the she allows the spirit in the body, and there are spirits that don't like me, and you know she's tossed me around before and stuff like that. But uh, <laughs> that is that is just the mean person that's you can tell the difference i agree with you there is it's absolutely uh like you said if you've got a broken arm you can oh you get that's a good analogy by the way richard i think i like that a lot so it's it's but, a terrible feeling you have to go by your feelings in a lot of ways but uh, i've been to so many different places both in california where i'm based 
and as well as Nevada and Hawaii. Oh, by the way, Hawaii is haunted around. I, I got to uh, hear more about that. All right, go ahead. Continue, though. Go ahead. And, of course, we have to go to that Disneyland for all ghost hunters, which is New Orleans. Mm-hmm. It is also a very haunted city. But I would dare say our Hollywood out here in California has more than a share of ghosts. And mm-hmm. a lot of bad stuff happened there long ago and even today. So um, it uh, also would give New Orleans a run for its money. So let me ask you this, Richard. You, you mentioned three very haunted places. You said Hawaii, uh, Hollywood, and New Orleans. So is there a difference in the hauntings in these three particular, uh, the hauntings and the spirits in these three particular locations? Uh, how do they vary, if there is? Uh, both, well, in the places I have found, it's where there's a layering of different cultures. Where you have one layer, one group of people being subjugated by another group, being subjugated by another group beyond that. And this is the case in New Orleans, where you have Native Americans and then later the Spanish and then the French, or the French and the Spanish, and then the the African-Americans, slaves and stuff like that. Civil War battles are also a great... Whoops. I'm still here. We lost them. Oh, no. Uh-oh. Roy, can we get him back? Anyway, so in, when you're a Veskin, have you just determined a, a difference in spirits? Uh, yeah, kind of. I mean, they're, they're ones that you can feel around and you, you know they're there. And then every so often there's somebody that makes you run. You, you, you want to run away. And sometimes mm-hmm. you do, you know. So there, there is a difference. Yeah, absolutely. I hope we can get Richard back. Uh, but anyways, I don't know if I can add him in. I can't find anything. All right. So anyways, uh, while Richard is gone. Trying to get back. Yeah. Trying to get back. But you know what I was going to, what I was going to say, <laughs> <laughs> what I was going to say was, you know, you were talking about um, how they differ. Mm-hmm. You know, so, uh, some of them, you know, it's about war and, and physical things. But, you know, the ones in Hollywood are more like, um, ego, ego driven. Really? Yeah, because because yeah, they were gonna, you know, there were people that came to Hollywood all the time, hoping to be a star, and they thought they could be, you know. And some of them might have had um, talent, others didn't. But the ones that didn't have talent, because we came across one of those on an investigation one time. And he would not leave because he he was so ashamed that he came to that and and he didn't make it anything that he, he wanted of himself. And he wasn't good enough. And he was staying there haunting this place. It was a place that had an outdoor stage and he was on that stage and he would not leave. We couldn't, you know, they said, do you, do you need help? You know, can we help you cross? No, I'm going to be here because he wanted to be seen even in spirit just so he would be a little bit famous. Really? That's what yeah. he wanted to fame, huh? Apparently, yeah. So that's what I'm saying. The Hollywood stuff, a lot of it is ego-driven. So, Which makes sense. I guess determining on the type of the the period of the spirit and, and uh, you know, the area of the country, people are there for different reasons to start with and the living. Mm-hmm. And why yeah. should it change after they're dead? Yeah. yeah, I mean, Civil War places or, you know, war places, that that's 
kind of a given, you know, some stay, some don't, whatever. But um, it's just really, really scary when somebody is so ego-driven, egocentric, that they're going to haunt the rest of their lives. You can't get rid of them. Because people have seen this guy on the stage, you know, out of the corner of their eye or something. I mean, he wasn't a full-blown apparition. But people saw things going on on the stage, and this was this guy. And he said, no, no, I came here to be famous, and I'm not going. Oh, you know, that's that's kind of sad. Yeah. So, okay. you know, one thing I was interested in, in, and Richard said he did experiments. I'm, I'm curious in what type of experiments he would do in a location. Um, have yeah. you, you, when you investigated, did you do that type as well? Um, not really. I mean, we were just kind of looking for things, and if things happen, I mean, there were like weird things, like um, we would have the the dousing rods, right? And all of a sudden, they would start spinning like helicopter fl- um, mm-hmm. blades and stuff. That kind of stuff. It wasn't that we were trying to, but you know, you're you're just seeing things happen that maybe people could do more with it and try and make it happen and you know that kind of thing okay so that type of thing the um while we're waiting to get richard back uh did you have you got anything new coming out uh, you, you did come up with i believe cards or something is that the latest thing um yeah i'm working on an oracle deck um was it a plant, plant thing or something yeah, plant yeah. spirit. Right. Yeah, speaking with plant spirits. Yeah, so oh, each so card has a spirit. It's not out yet then, right? No, it got uh, illustrations and stuff. It got really crazy. So now they're yeah. just starting, and it's getting a little bit closer to that. But it's still oh, doing cool. another spell book, too. So, you know. Oh, look at you. I know. I mm. love writing spells, especially the ones that rhyme. You know, I mean, it's what, fun. Well, so what you need is a book of ghost hunting spells. Okay. Think of it. Yeah, well, it's that's spells for different things, you know. Well, I could add some of those to the book I'm doing now if you tell mm. me, you know, kind of what you would think they would be. Oh, sure, I could do that. Yeah, you know, <laughs> a list of of what kind of spells you would like to do when you're ha- um, ghost hunting to make things easier or to find out more, mm-hmm. or just you know, having a ghost that you want to come to you or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, the, uh, I mean, there are different methods. I mean, you have uh, certain uh, crystals and gems that we use for. Oh, oh, we got them back. Yay. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I don't know what happened. I was right in the middle of uh, saying something and a bang, we're gone. And I was trying to get you back. I hope we, uh, my attempts to get you back uh, somehow didn't screw things up. Well, we got you. Uh, that's the main thing. Uh, yeah, uh, it must be paranormal. That's what I always say. So, yep, could could be that haunted dog Steve gave me. So I don't know. You were talking about demons. See what happens. <laughs> so yeah, we were we we're talking about that. We are coming up on the break too, unfortunately too. So that's not too bad. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, yeah, I did confuse him. <laughs> All right. So. Uh, when you were, uh, you mentioned earlier in your conversation that when you were in a house, you would do experiments. What type of experiments would you, you do, Richard? Well, we use a lot of different techniques. One is, of course, uh, using dowsing rods. Mm-hmm. I, I use dowsing rods. A lot of English um, ghost hunters use them. I've found them to be very helpful in the past. 
And do you use particular ones? I mean, there are all kinds that are out there. Uh, uh, there, which type do you just ordinary ones? Well, no, I use solid copper ones. Copper seems to work. Now they're just bent. They have no little handles on them. So I use uh, that's one technique that I I uh, use. Of course, I sweep the place with a K2 meter. Uh, I found of all the tools that people use. Uh, uh, and I've, I've tried them all, man. The only one I've ever gotten consistent results with is a K2 meter. And the K2 meter has proved to be very helpful in some of these. So you like these different gadgets and stuff then? Yeah, I'm not a gadget sort of person. Though I have also used tape recorders to get EVP. Mm-hmm. And uh, I usually, when I do EVP experiments, I have a set list of questions. And when I do them, I listen very carefully, and I don't manipulate the sound. Some people oh, with EVP will slow them up, speed them up. I don't do that. Reverse yeah. It's got to be type one. You hear it, and then if I can hear what it says, and then I give it to someone else, and they hear the same thing. Uh, then I accept it. But if not, I just toss it out. And most of what I see on TV is stuff I would toss out, but they, they kind of say, oh, does that really Well, they need proof. That? Yeah. Well, they're, uh, they're, anyways, they're on, we got to take a break right now, Bridget, unfortunately. Uh, so uh, huh? if you could hold on. Uh, we'll, uh, I certainly live, will. We'll live through this, hopefully. Uh, you're listening to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with uh, Ron Kolick and Marla Brooks and my special guest, our special guest, Richard Sennett. And uh, we're brought to you by Circles of Wisdom, 386 Merrimack Street, with Dewan, Massachusetts, the Glant Messier Family Law Group, 15 High Street, not the end of Massachusetts, and our very, very, very good friends on Ghost Chronicles Radio on Patreon. And uh, if you aren't a member of Ghost Chronicles Radio on Patreon, why not? It's three bucks a month. Uh, that's cheaper than a cup of coffee and you get access to over 40 exclusive videos and uh, some really cool stuff on there anyways. So anyways, you're listening to Ghost Chronicles. We'll be right back. Do you have a paranormal event, book, or something else you want people to know about? Then why not advertise it on Ghost Chronicles Radio? With over 150,000 downloads a month, get your message out to an audience that's interested in the subject. We have a plan at a cost that fits your needs. For more information, contact Ron Kolick at anyghostproject at comcast.net or call 978-455-6678. Hello. Hello, can you hear me? My name is Harry Price. I am speaking to you via the medium of the Ghost Box. Many of you will know I carried out the first live radio broadcast from Haunted House way back in 1936 for the BBC. Now, thanks to the wonders of modern technology, I am still able to keep abreast of 21st century ghost hunting by listening to Ghost Chronicles International on Togginet, Parax Radio, The Ghost Channel, and even on something called a podcast. Two splendid chaps host it. One is an American who calls himself New England's own Van Helsing. 
although I have discovered his real name is Ron Kolek. The other is Stephen Parsons, and he's a paranormal scientist. Well, mustache, I'm required elsewhere on something called a K2. But don't forget, I'll be listening in every Tuesday from 8 o'clock in Great Britain and 3 o'clock on the American Eastern Seaboard. I trust you will join me there. back you're listening to ghost chronicles next generation with ron colick and Marla brooks with our special guest richard senate ghost hunter and author uh we do want to get into your new book to uh richard so um if people want to get a hold of you or to find out more about you how can they do that richard well i have a page on facebook called richard senate ghost hunter i'm all over the internet so it's easy to catch me and mm-hmm. uh, if they want to, and I get people from all over the world asking questions about ghosts. So some of them are uh, think very basic questions. You know, am I going to be, you know, die or something? Or is this an uh, <laughs> evil ghost? Or things I've got to sort of undo the damage caused by a lot of very bad TV shows or very poor, yeah, poor right. information. But I get yeah. uh, calls from a lot of countries, Norway, uh, uh, England, a lot of stuff from Canada, all over the place. People give me these um, questions, and you can reach me at hatehunter at com. That's H-A-I-N-T, hunter, H-U-N-T-E-R, at AOL.com. Now, hate is an old English word for ghost, and oh. uh, so that's why I'm called a hate hunter. In fact, the hate is still used in the southern part of the United States uh, as a term for a ghost. Really? But, uh, oh, they, they can have people contact me and I'll do my best to sort of answer them and uh, help them out in any questions they have. I get a lot of questions from authors who are writing books, uh, fictional books about ghosts, mm-hmm. and they want to make sure they're Fictional ghost uh, is uh, acts like a real ghost. All oh. sorts of different. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so uh, you have a new book coming out, or is this out? Yeah, it just came out. As a matter of fact, it's a little bit different. I wrote a book called Ghost Dogs of California. I like that. Yeah, I've collected a lot of ghost stories over the years, and I had a bunch of them about ghost dogs. And so I thought, hey, I'll put them together in a little book. And as I was getting them down, I started to come across weird dogs. It weren't quite dogs, but there was something weird, uh, like the chupacabra, for instance, and other creatures. And then someone suggested after the book that uh, I should look into cryptids, you know, monsters, cryptozoology, stuff of that Mm -hmm. nature. So I decided, okay, I'll do that, but I'll limit it just to California, a place I know very well, and I have a lot of contacts. So I started to call and talk to people who were Bigfoot hunters and such, 
and people that I've met over the years uh, in, in other ways, of course, I'm not a Bigfoot hunter, and um, I started to talk to them to compile a list. I figured, how many could there be? <laughs> I was really mistaken. God. Uh-oh. Mm-mm. Lost them again. You know, I tried to um, download his book from, mm. uh, well, for Kindle today. Yeah. Because I was I'm going to have to go get the book anyway because he's going to be on my show December 1st. And But I wanted to, you know, I was normally going to get the paperback, but I got um, Kindle and it didn't work. Oh, did we drop again? Oops. Yeah, we did. <laughs> Hello? Yeah, you're back. Hello. We can Hello, hear you. We can hear you. Hello. Richard, uh, Richard, we can hear you. Hello. Oh, gosh. Mm-mm. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I was good because you know what? I'm not sure about all the cryptids in California. Maybe I should know this, you know? <laughs> yeah. Before yeah. I mean, you up. <laughs> that could be. Um, so yeah, but I tried and, and it didn't download, it downloaded the cover, but it didn't oh. download anything else. So well, I was going to try complain. again right before the show, but I will get it. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm interested in hearing, I mean, maybe I've got, you know, some kind of cryptid in my backyard that I don't know about exactly. for more, cause see, he's in Ventura, which is about 75 miles west of here. Okay. West? Yeah, towards the oh, ocean. Yeah. Wait a minute, west? Yeah. What, you interior? Yeah. Oh, I didn't think you were interior. I thought you were more coast. Huh. No, no. When I was in Hollywood, I was 10, 10 minutes from the coast. Now, yeah, that's what I thought. But now, uh, I don't think it's that close anymore. Because mm. I haven't been to the beach in a long time. And if it would be, it would, it would be a different beach. Richard, you back now? I am back. Okay. And loud too. <laughs> That's good. Loud and clear. Okay, so so Richard, you were talking about your book. You were collecting. You you connected with your friends in California uh, about other cryptoids, and you started uh, coming up with all kinds of stuff. So you want to carry on from there? Well, some of the some of the Bigfoot sightings they have was red fur, black fur, mm-hmm. brown fur, white fur, tan fur. They all have different first And the weirdest of all, up in Mount Shasta, people said they reported a Bigfoot with wings, gigantic <laughs> bat wings that would fly around. So, yeah, it's really remarkable stuff. And then some of the stories, I'm sure, are, are legends and folklore and stuff like that. Others mm-hmm. appear to be just odd. And my book is called The uh, Golden State Monsters. And it's available on Amazon.com. So if you're interested, check out my page there and see Golden State Monsters, all these creatures that I've come up with. Many of them are kind of, I think I've managed to dig up some new new ones that aren't in all the other lists of California monsters. So I'm proud of my diligence and... uh, just connecting with people and getting all these different accounts of creatures from dragons to uh, giant thunderbirds to uh, bizarre cats and bizarre Hmm. creatures all the way along. So it was a fun project and certainly a little different from my usually ghostly fare. Right. 
but it's paranormal, which so it fits in that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the way I look at it. I mean, the shows are called Ghost Chronicles, but we talk about everything on all the shows, especially the morning edition. We, we talk about anything and everything, but uh, you know, it's it's all that stuff is intriguing. I mean, especially I, I have a big interest in uh, sea monsters and lake monsters and uh, only because of the, the number of sightings throughout the years and, and, and the com- commonality between uh, some of the sightings as well is, is intriguing. But uh, so that that's good. Uh, so it's on uh, Amazon. Check it out. You can uh, check out uh, Richard, mm-hmm. Richard's page and uh, you look at his, your other books are on there too, I so. Yeah, I have all of my books that I that I have. Most of them, anyway, that are still in print are up there. It's about twenty of them. And I even God have some that. of my novels I've written that um, some deal with the paranormal, some do not, and many of them deal with the topics uh, that I like, like the American Civil War, and oh, of course the Hollywood history, which is a bit mm-hmm. like family history because my um, uh, people came out to. Hollywood to make movies back in the 1920s. Aha. Uh-huh. That's where you get the pit helmet. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was the I 30s. still have cousins in the industry, but my grandfather <laughs> came out and literally built MGM studio. He was a carpenter, so he built them. And he stayed on to build sets and do all kinds of stuff. My dad was a painter and decorator, and, and my aunt was a script girl and I, so they all oh, wow. got involved in movie business and some of my first ghost stories were of the studios did you know every one of the hollywood studios is haunted everyone mm-hmm. no exception yeah. yeah that's that was malice neck of the way she did she investigated a lot of those places. Well, yeah it, and you yeah. know just for to information richard in my second ghosts of hollywood book gave us a couple of stories um mm-hmm. about seances that he'd had in hollywood Ooh. yeah and they're all different and mm-hmm. we've contacted some great people and some not so great people uh, no, it's. Uh, I'm very much a believer that you can learn a lot through the metaphysical avenue about ghosts. Mm-hmm. I think people who disregard spiritualist no- notions and psychic impressions actually are, are doing themselves a disservice. Yeah, as Valen knows, we have been uh, studying the uh, red light sands for over almost 12 years now, actually. Um, mm-hmm. and we meet every month and, and, and conduct them into physical mediumship, which is intriguing to me. So I want to know a little bit about uh, some of the seances. Uh, how do you conduct these seances? And, and uh, do you have a, a, one that's really outstanding to you? Oh, I have a bunch of outstanding ones. But I usually have a group of around 13, and there's a medium. Uh, in truth, the medium is in charge. I am not a medium. As I mm-hmm. like to tell people, I'm more of a large than a medium. <laughs> but, uh, uh, little joke. Uh, my wife is a gifted psychic. The best one we ever did was on board the Queen Mary. And oh. uh, we um, were in one of the uh, meeting rooms there. We all held hands. It's very traditional. I go with uh, traditional settings from almost 19th century ideas. 
and she went into a trance and started to speak in Italian. Now, she speaks Swedish, she speaks Russian. She does not speak a single Romance language, uh, French, not Spanish, and uh, certainly not Italian. And, but she was speaking Italian, and then it broke into like broken English, and a story came out of an Italian pilot named Giovetti, Lieutenant Gian Giovetti, who was um, uh, a POW on the Queen Mary and died on the trip to Australia as a POW. Ooh. And uh, he talked about his airplane. He talked a lot about his airplane. And he was also a dedicated follower of Benito Mussolini. To him, Mussolini could do no wrong. And he hated English people. And um, uh, what was amazing is every detail that he talked about was later confirmed. We even had a guy go to England and uh, find that the records he mentions this commanding officer of Libya. He talks about his last mission. And all of these things wow. just uh, were confirmed. It was one of the best seances. I even wonder, how come he came through? Well, I figured it out finally. He loved his plane. He loved his fly. He loved to fly. Uh, he was a fighter pilot. And wouldn't you know it, Debbie is also a pilot and likes oh. to fly. So consequently, I think that link, her love of uh, airplanes and flying and his love, which explains why he went to all the details to talk about his his airplane, which is a a Fiat C-47 Falco, which he talked about how fast it would go and and, uh, how he, he thought it was a better plane than the Spitfires that later shot him down. And, um, uh, it was uh, an interesting seance. In fact, one of the best because so much data was confirmed about mm-hmm. that event. You know, that's the amazing thing. I mean, you have like the one that uh, they happened in England. I forget the, the name of the, the medium, but she conducted during the, the war or shortly after the war. And, and she talked about in the airship they went down and, and the story and, mm-hmm. and that hadn't even been released yet and and yet they actually investigated it for uh that and everything else so it was it's pretty intriguing what can come through in that and it's 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 hard to you know disprove where that information is coming from i mean it's 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 there people say well they must have studied it they must do it but a lot of these things like the one you had is is more difficult to uh you know verify because it took a while to to do that but uh it's, it's simply amazing. Yeah, yeah the uh, Lenora Piper, uh, uh, the R101 seance that you're talking about, is really good because so much of the data was top secret. Nobody knew about it. It wasn't generally known. You couldn't read it in the paper. Here's a lady who had no idea about how airships and dirigibles operated, but uh, Lieutenant Irwin, the guy she contacted through uh, the mediumship, had all these details, technical details about the airship and why and how it crashed and, mm-hmm. and where he lost his life. So it's really interesting when you have stuff that can be confirmed. So, so many things uh, just come out with gobbledygook and uh, information that's just totally wrong and right. just doesn't make sense. Uh, but 
sometimes when you get something good, there's like some sort of connection. I don't know how it is, but it's just amazing what happens. And uh, so I am a firm believer. It doesn't take much, but when the proof is in the pudding, I'm willing to uh, give it a break. Now, I don't believe you should believe everything you get at a seance or something, but but if you check it out, if it proves to be true, there's something going on here. And I still don't have all the answers, but I tend to think that discarding oh, 19th century ghost hunting is a mistake. I mean, we go back to the early 19th century, like Harry Price, he wrote the book on proper ghost hunting. Mm -hmm. You know, he actually wrote a manual on how to do it. So, I mean, they investigated the places they would investigate, like, like Borley Rectory. He, he rented the place for a year and sent in hired people to go in and, and do the study. And for, I mean, that's that's a proper way to do an investigation where you can collect lots of information and then you can correlate it and, and find out uh even in hand he conducted seances and so forth too so i mean it's we, we could learn I a lot from, from the old ways that is really how i do a lot of stuff i believe in a layering effect in other words you take different teams with different people who don't know each other or what they're finding and yet you get the same results that's what's so amazing and I did a two-year study at the Mission La Purissima Concepcion in Lompoc, a very haunted place. And I found the same thing. Different people were picking up the same stuff. And um, that was a unique finding. But that's how you do it. You just can't go in uh, and spend two days at a site, uh, make a TV or two show. two hours. Never mind that. People walk in for a few yeah. hours. That's it. Yeah. You can't do that. Well, you can do that, but is it accurate? That's that's the big rub. And in fact, all these TV shows, you got to remember, they're making a TV show. They're not really investigating, trying to get answers to what ghosts are. They just want to make a nice, uh, crisp hour, hour and a half, what have you, to entertain people. And if you go on that direction... I don't think you can call yourself really a, a ghost hunter if you've now gone into the entertainment category. That's happening way too much because they, as you said, they don't know what they're doing. They haven't studied or anything. They just want to be mm -hmm. famous. And, that, and, and, and they do. You know, the squeaky wheel gets the grease, but it puts out a lot of information that shouldn't be put out there because it's really not true. And people yeah, buy into much, it. A lot of misinformation, too. And a lot of times, especially nowadays, when they focus on demons, mm -hmm. I have to undo <laughs> a lot of things. Somebody has a paranormal event happen in their house, they immediately assume that it's a demon and that mm -hmm. they're going to be possessed or something, uh, like the TV shows. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm there saying, no, ghosts are quite normal. In fact, it's one of the most human things you can do is see a ghost. Uh, and people have been seeing him for thousands of years. Some, so don't think that because uh, somebody on TV goes into a trance and starts to uh, you know, get scratches and stuff appear on their bodies, that the, all ghosts are like that. They're not. No, and then you see people getting on there 
getting famous, they, they're trying to call demons. They're, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. come on, I, I can beat you. Yeah, come on, you know, and, and it's, it's a disrespect to spirit, you know, when somebody does that. But then, you know, they're only doing it to show that they have, you know, uh, bravery and stuff. But the point of it is, if they ever really conjured a demon... They would well, probably run like hell, you know. You know, you know I it's, it's go ahead. Go ahead, people who've done that. And I talked to one lady had a I kept warning her, Don't do this, don't go down to the dark side. Don't mm-hmm. do that. Well, wouldn't you know it? She did. And what now she has given it all up and now she's a born again Christian and goes to church on every <laughs> Sunday and Wednesday too and Monday as well. And um <laughs> She has nothing to do with the occult or the demonic side, but she can't she can't do that kind of stuff and survive. But it's not healthy. You know, Richie, it's like I, I remember one particularly. I've I've had other similar incidents, but this one particularly was some ghost hunting group from Vermont. They contacted me. They said, "Oh, we went in this house. They had a demon. We, we cleared it out." And but but uh, what what we do it? I, I I had a cross in my hand, and then it, it burnt my hand. And uh, you know what do we do? It's like, what do you do? You shouldn't have been there in the first place doing that stuff if you don't know what to do. But you know, it's it's like they go in there, they see these TV shows, they think, "Oh, I can do that," and whatever else, mm-hmm. and then they they don't know what they're getting into a lot of times. Yeah, the very true. You know, you can. It, it it's like plumbing. If you do do it yourself, plumbing, you can get into a lot of trouble. Same with uh, electrical wiring. Why do you think something paranormal isn't going to be just as bad or worse? People have died doing mm-hmm. ghost hunting. I mean, people yeah. have died. It's dangerous in some areas. And um, uh, you know, for instance, just hantavirus. You go into an old place, if there's a lot of mouse droppings, and you disturb it and inhale it, you can get a disease that'll kill you. And that's happened to people. And another guy was investigating a haunted railroad. It was on a railroad bridge, and a real train came. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, it was on a bridge. Yeah. Yeah, so there's there's a lot of danger in this. You've got to be careful. I got the the ghost train. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> now you are the ghost. Yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, that's that's sad. So I mean, it's you know, if, if, there's nothing wrong with it. A lot of uh, you can go on public ghost hunts, and if you're interested in getting involved and stuff like that, that it this if they're run well, they're predominantly safe. Um, you know, but if you go out on your own and everything else, and you don't know what you're doing at all, you know, it can be dangerous. Not just from the dead, but from the living and from other natural environmental hazards so just be careful use your common sense stupidity will kill you yeah yeah and they a lot of i used to believe that but it's i don't think it's working why because there's so many people out there (laughs) well nowadays (laughs) you you can you have to be very know what you're doing there's a lot of good books out there you can get Troy Taylor's book on ghost hunting pretty good. There's some <laughs> others out there, too. Uh, where I started this back in the 70s, uh, there was no book, so nothing. Even though I did, there was one book called The Haunted House Handbook 
by D. Scott Rogo, which oh. kind of uh, gave me some insights to how to do the stuff. And I later met D. Scott Rogo before his untimely death, and um, he um, gave me a lot of good pointers on what to look for, what not to look for. So I owe a lot of my career to a lot of good people. I Like they say, I'm, I stand on the shoulders of giants, uh, people yeah. like Dr. Hans Holzer, for instance, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. D. Scott I Rogo would... and others. I... I want to say, if you're also looking to get involved, you should also check out uh, Steve Pratt's book, of course, Ghostology, which is used uh, Mm -hmm. by the Ryan Institute uh, uh, in in their ghost hunting program as well. Steve Pratt is one of the uh, noted parapsychologists from the UK. He works for the SPR, the Ghost Club, and BASAP, as as well as other other instructors. Gold standard. The field guides for them as well. So check those out. Those are available on Amazon as well. Yeah. All right, back to your books, Richard. Would you say there's a lot of books out there? The best thing I tell people getting into this is to read, read, read. Get as read as much as possible from a number of different sources. Harry uh, Price would be one. I would mention as well. And um, as I say, D. Scott Rogo, Troy Taylor has some good stuff. But there's a lot of good people out there. So go out there and read them. And then don't don't base it just on TV shows or blogs, but go out and collect the data. And that's what it's all about, collecting data, not just thrilling, seeing a ghost. Oh, look, I saw a ghost. No, no, it's got to be more than just that. Well, and, um, people go, we, we're, we're running out of time anyway, so we're down to the last two minutes, but... Uh, you know, people do it for different reasons. Uh, Molly yep. hit on one. People are trying to be famous. Other people are just looking for thrills. And there are a few, and I think very, very few that are serious researchers that actually are trying to uh, collect information and share that properly information, uh, you know, but uh, anyway. All right, so we've been talking with uh, Richard Sennett. Uh, he's been around forever. When I got involved in ghost hunting, he was already... Uh, there uh, doing his stuff. Uh, so, Richard, uh, once again, uh, thank you for joining us. And you, they can check out your uh, page on Facebook, Richard Senate. And uh, anything else you'd like to add? Well, just as, the, as I say, uh, check out my books. I've got them all on Amazon. You can see what I've written. And if you feel like you'd like to, uh, by all means, buy one. And uh, <laughs> Give me your opinion. If you like it or you dislike it or you want to add to something about it, by all means, contact me. I, I like to hear things. Even if they're a bad review, I like them. Okay. So uh, you could also hear Richard because Richard will be on Mala's show, Stir in the Codron on when, Mala? December 1st at 9 o'clock Eastern. That's a Thursday night. So yes. on... on um... Uh, on Para-X and Para-X Radio <laughs> Network, and um, we'll be talking solely about the book and the creatures, and that's going to be great. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Thanks, everyone. We're just about out of time. Uh, thanks for listening. Remember, join us uh, Ghost Chronicles Radio on Patreon and become a member. And thank you all for listening. Good night and God bless.
from goalies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.